Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick. And I'm your co-host, not Dr. Kirby Brunswick. This not is a doctor. very weird looking at you this way. We've never recorded this way. Well, yeah, especially because I can subtly hear you through the floorboards. Um, <laughs> I'm always around you. We, For those not watching on YouTube, uh, Kirby and I are recording together but separate don't say it um (laughs) (laughs) uh, in the same house but different rooms so our audio well it's not just about the audio it's actually more about the visual for cuts and stuff we did this for our editor you're welcome jacob you're doing a great job (laughs) so so yeah so we're in the same house but in completely different rooms with setups and it's just very weird it was just so. too echoey to both be on. We have two computers in the office, mm-hmm. but if we're recording on separate video feeds and I didn't have a long enough mic to have the just one audio, it's it was a whole thing. Well, oh, I'll get you know what I should have done? I should have like lied and been like, well, we're recording in separate rooms because we have separate offices. Our house is so elaborate because I'm such so a successful big. chiropractor that we have multiple offices. I mean, if you could give up your walk-in closet, you could have. <laughs> that is where I actually do my best meetings, my brand meetings tend to be down there, but you know. there's a desk in your closet, but I wouldn't call it an office. No, no, it's a multifunctional room. So anyways, our poor children have to share a room, but I've turned one bedroom into a gym, one bedroom into a home office and one bedroom into a closet. Sorry, kids. Got our your, priorities straight. Your mom's got her priorities. Making money, looking good, wearing fancy and clothes. Fit. Okay. Um, all right. So today we are talking about um, candor, which I think is I a really candor specifically. It's a really funny. So I I'm curious to see if this will turn into kind of a series. Like this could be like our series for 2024 if people like it, where we like talk about different uh, leadership traits. And how to, yeah, but I think it's funny that we start with candor and not something like drive or ambition, you know, something that I'm like really good at. We start with the one where it's like, oh yeah, but I feel like I've always been super vulnerable about 
my flaws, probably even more so than my strengths. And so it's not actually that surprising that we would start with something that I suck at. Well, I think it's, it's more interesting conversations come around the things that you struggle with because there are not only the successes, but the failures there. Mm -hmm. Whereas like sometimes when people are speaking from the stage, they talk about a certain trait, like it's easy because yes. for them it might be. Um, so it's, you know, they show you like, they give you the example of like, and here's how I used confidence to get through this thing or whatever. And it's like, it's like, oh, is that hard for you? Oh, you seem really yeah. not confident. Yeah. It's like watching a major league baseball player talking about how he like hit a fastball and it's like, yeah, you've trained your whole life to hit fastballs and you started good at it. Like that's not an interesting story. It's not a struggle. So I have a, another interview later today and I wasn't really sure. I'm not like a hundred percent. I'm never really sure where the conversation we'll get to candor at some point in this, I'm sure. But um, well, this is just the intro anyway. People are used to fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Um, but I was going to ask, like, what do you think your superpower is in practice? But should I just like fuck with my guest and be like, what's your biggest flaw? Just like right out of the gates. First question. Hi, nice to meet you. What's your biggest flaw? as a chiropractic leader? Be interesting. Mm, I would love that question. I, what would you say? Candor? No. Uh, oh, God. I mean, there's so many. I would say uh, vanity. 100% vanity. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's tethered to that really just wanting to be significant. And like, that's also one of my biggest strengths. But then how do you measure how you're being significant? That tends to be in like metrics, you know? So it's just like this, like, uh, it's the snake. It's Scully, my snake. So what's yours? As a chiropractic leader, probably <laughs> not a chiropractor. <laughs> That's really held me back. Number one I'm just a guy with a finance and marketing degree. And no one wants to listen to my opinions on chiropractic because I'm not one. So way to skirt the issue. What is it? I don't have enough tattoos. Um, no, I, I think biggest personal flaw is probably um, might be like lack of starting. Like I'm initiative. good at, yeah, it might, it might be initiative of, of things that I, you know, feel are important. Like we've had projects at the clinic and stuff that I knew should be done for a long time, but like I, I keep myself busy enough with tasks other people have asked me to do mm -hmm. that I, well, I might have a strategic vision or things I think are important in my own mind. I don't put enough value on those and get them going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, could we be more classic Enneagram three and nine? Like you don't need to know us at all to be like, let me guess. So you're a three. Let me tell you what your biggest flaw is. And you're a nine. So, um, other warm up question. What books you've been reading lately? Tell me the last three um, books you've read. A weird, very weird mix. <laughs> um, so right now I am reading uh, Keepers of the Lost Cities, second book. It's a young adult uh, novel about different a, than my young adult novel. A girl who yours is that. not young adult. It is classified people. as young adult. It is literally classified as young adult. Just because there's sex in it does not mean. When I think I, YA, I, agree, it I think like thirteen year olds are reading it, and thirteen year olds should not be reading the book you're reading. Yes. Anyways, keep going. Okay. You can call it a young adult, but so I'm reading a book for 
Charlie because we need to record another Charlie's Book Club podcast. So Charlie and I, I read Charlie's books and then we talk about them. So that's the one that I am currently reading. Um, the last book I read before that was The Brave by, his last name is uh, McDonald, I think. Um, he's the guy who wrote Fletch. Uh, but this book was about a poor alcoholic man who agreed to be murdered on film uh, for $30,000, uh, but he's probably going to get scammed out of it. And the last days he's spending with his family while keeping that secret. Um, and then before that, I read a super disturbing book by Chuck Palahniuk uh, about incestual gay brothers oh, who murder God. people. Uh, you got to put like a R rating on. So people listen to this in the car with their children. Jesus, Kirby. You asked what I was reading. Well, I was I was in a spooky season. Spooky. Now, now like the next book I want to, well, the next book I'm going to read is Alex Hermosi. And then uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to get into my uh, Christmas mode. I have like a few Christmas books and collections of audible things that I listen to usually. Yeah. How about you? I um, Akatar, so, Akatar, Akatar. Uh, hello, I read that oh, like two so. years ago. Jeez. Um, no, <laughs> but so reading kind of simultaneously reading the Alex or Mosey, uh, starting with the offers, which it's so hard to get through because my ADHD, like it's a, it's so good. I'm like 90 pages into it, but I can, I'll get like a page and a half and that will prompt me thinking, about like a Facebook ad for the clinic. And so then mm. I'll like kind of, you know, or like, oh, I should send that email to that person about that thing. So it, it's hard for me to get through because it prompts so much initiative and action out of me that like, it's a slog. So that's happening. A uh, very good book. Then uh, I've pretty much been head down in Iron Flame since it was released Tuesday. And that I'm almost done with. And then prior to that was, um, oh gosh, what is it? A Light in the Ember, which is like a prequel to a different from Blood Nash. Like, yeah, I'm still in that like romance fantasy world. It's, I mean, but I we am. Do, we I do am, have to, as a family, read the prequel to the Hunger Games because yeah, that I'm movie excited is coming that. out in a couple of weeks. So I think yes. you, me, and Charlie will all probably be reading that uh, this week. So yeah. that we can all go to the movie together. Ty and probably I'm excited about that. Participate. Do, how do we find out if there's sex in the book, though? Because oh, I'm sure there's book reviews. I mean, Charlie's read the entire Hunger Games series. So, okay. I just got to like, because you can't trust this young adult stuff, I tell you. So, um, all right. Are you ready? Should we like actually get do into an episode? Yeah, let's, let's do this. We don't have a bio. Um, I mean, you yeah. could do a bio for me. I could do a bio for you. <laughs> okay. That sounds fun. <laughs> We're never going to get to recording a damn episode. Oh, I'm really curious. Uh, so, okay. By the time this comes out, my 35 minute episode will have come out. And I'm very interested mm. to see what people, so I did a poll on Instagram and asked like, Hey, or I said like, Hey, I just did this 35 minute episode beginning to end. Are you excited or, you know, are you like, do you like when I do a deep dive into everything? It was 50-50. I actually expected it to be a landslide of people being like, no, I want some of the short ones. I guess maybe for a solo. Be 
because you yeah. can organize your thoughts. No, I would never thoughts. do a short one for a guest. Okay, good. I was going to no. say, I don't, I don't like this trend. As your producer, no, no, I, no, no, uh, no. I, I want you to have long-ranging, weird conversations with people. Absolutely. Okay. Um, no, it would just be for some solos where it's just like, can I save my story about Target and tattoos and books for... Put it in the weekly sleigh. Don't, don't bore yeah. the audience. Yeah. All right. Anyways. Um, oh, my God. Did I tell you... What Ty did the other day? I don't think I did. This is a really funny story. I was going to save it for an intro, but. Uh, There's right. a teaser. Save it. Yeah. Save it. We've already got okay. an intro here. Okay. All right. All right. It'll be in next week's intro then. Okay. So you want to pray? Sounds good. All right. Dear God, thank you again for allowing us this platform uh, where we get to impact the lives of people and have interesting conversations that hopefully um, bring light, healing, growth. Um, as we talk about a subject like candor today, um, help us to make sure the truth we're speaking to others is your truth and not coming from us. Help us to still ourselves and find that deep central truth uh, that we know comes from you and share that in the kindest way possible. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okie dokie, artichokey. Um, so, canter. I think that there is some people who've probably heard it, but really don't know what it is. And then a whole host of people who think they know what it is. Maybe they don't. Like, I have a feeling it's a, a word that gets used uh, poorly. So, yeah. So, so the way that we kind of came about this and the way that um, influence is going to influence kind of this conversation is I was introduced to it. I knew what the word candor was of just kind of being straightforward and honest. Um, but in Gary Vaynerchuk's book, 12 and a half, which I, I don't know if my camera will allow <laughs> there, you go. there we go. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes if people want to read it. Um, he talks about specifically kind candor and the, the book in general is about the, the emotional skills that he has found valuable as a leader. And the book's called 12 and a half because his half, the one he's still working on. And then one, I think I would argue that most people are working on is kind candor, um, which is being straightforward uh, while also being compassionate and really delivering truthful feedback and opinions that hopefully aren't damaging, but are necessary in a constructive and supportive way. So it's that idea of like fostering honest communication instead of because uh, the problem that he had was he would be nice, nice, nice. Well, he knew someone was messing up and then it would be nice, nice, nice. Ugh, this isn't going to work. You're fired. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think that is that example really stood out probably more than anything else in the book because um, that is I used to be very candid as a boss and then swung to very not very kind um but like i all of a sudden without yeah all of a sudden i developed all this like empathy and like connecting with them and not utilizing them just as like tools to accomplish my mission um mm -hmm. god did a lot of work there and then i realized like oh now I'm withholding necessary feedback 
for them to be their best. And so like, I feel like the last three years has like been realizing like, oh, I kind of swung this way, you know, like just letting that pendulum go. So is candor, would you say that candor is brutal honesty? Mm, not necessarily. Like, is it I, necessary honesty? Like what's? Yeah, that, I mean, like, so that's a good, like, definitional question. Let's get, like, the Webster's definition of candor. The quality of being open or honest in expression, frankness. So it's not necessarily brutal honesty, but it is, like, saying what you mean. Like, it's it's not dancing around things. It's not... um it's not painting a prettier picture. It's not, and like how you said, you kind of struggled back and forth with candor. I think mine was more a, and still is, uh, avoidance of confrontation mm -hmm. mixed with a super patience of like, people are going to learn the lessons they need to learn. I will help foster them on the journey, but I'm not going to be the one, you know, it's, it's like when you hear your two friends talking about an issue and you're kind of just like, yeah, you're full of shit and here's the solution, but I'm going to not jump in there and I'm just going to let you guys, uh, you know, keep talking and right. uh, you'll figure it out was, is kind of generally my approach. But then in business, we get forced into certain things of, you know, when, when we've had to let people go in the past, like, I'm the one who says you're fired because oh, a lot of times, yeah. a lot of you times work for Blue Hills Chiropractic and Kirby gets called into a meeting. You, there is one of two things that has happened. I am so beyond pissed that I know I cannot deliver the feedback in a kind or constructive way. And like, I will just be mean you're not getting fired, but you're really in it or you're getting fired. Yeah. It's, it's never great when you and I, or just you, usually if it's you and I, you're getting fired. If it's just you, yeah. it's Lauren has tapped out. Well, I have pissed her off that so now much because I do have more like monthly yeah, or quarterly true. meetings with employees because we didn't want when that to be the case. Okay. Of... An unplanned Kirby yeah. meeting. But I mean, part of that comes from like, it, and it's uncomfortable for both of us. It's you having to like hold your tongue because a lot of times it's kind of an HR thing of like, we don't want this final experience to be something that they leave with a really bad taste in their mouth because, you know, you unloaded emotionally because it's a lot of emotions to get to that point. So it's kind of protecting the business from you talking and it's all, but it's, it's uncomfortable for me, but necessary that I have to step in and instead of, you know, I can, I can give it a little bit of preface, but I also know that, uh, in consideration for other people's feelings, they don't want a 15 minute preamble that is obviously going towards your fire. So a lot of those meetings start with, and there hasn't been a lot, we've only fired like two or three people, but a lot of those, you know, kind of starts with like, Hey, this is what's going on. It's been a struggle, but you know, this is, this is going to be your last day and we can talk about it, but I just want you to know that. Yeah. Like, okay. So, because I think we do need to, let's, let's say, put a pin in firing people, um, for an actual, like kind of play by play. Uh, cause I think that's, you know, unfortunately, you know, because basically there's the feedback portion mm -hmm. where like, you're not even thinking like you want this employee to be their best 
um, and they're struggling. And so, you know, there's that early onset kind candor. And then there's the like, hmm, we've talked about this. Well, I think, I mean, if we want to, if we want to dial it back even farther, there's like the hiring kind candor further. Sorry. I think there's a hiring kind candor that we at different times have struggled with. Mm. Like, I think there've been times where we laid heavy on the work-life balance, the supportive team stuff. You're going to be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. We yep, are here. like we have unlimited vacation time. You know, we we are honest in saying like as long as it works out, you know, that everything is covered and that we're seeing and you know that the patients have enough support and the doctors have enough support. But I think that's bitten us when we've hired soft like that mm-hmm. and not and not communicated enough. Oh, especially to like, at the front desk. Oh, like especially at the front desk. Like I was initially thinking when you're talking about that from like an associate standpoint of just being like, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be just rainbows for you here. But like at the front desk where it's like, this is the greatest, like, and we've realized that with some of our most recent hires that we weren't just like brutally honest of like, oh, it was a conversation I had um, with another chiropractor a few months ago at um, a TRP training. Uh, and we were just talking about how like turnover at the front desk is just kind of at an all-time high. And this is across the board with a lot of chiropractors. We can't compete with the salaries that are being offered to people out there. Like, holy shit. Like, I can't pay a front desk person $55,000 a year and insurance. Like, what? I can't do that. Um. And so then when we have someone on the line that you really want, they're wonderful. You're just like, your life will be perfect. And then they come and they're like, this is hard. You actually have expectations of me. And then you just went easy hard. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, yep. No, you got to be honest about the job. And I, and I think I think kind candor is kind of that definition of do you want hard, easy or easy hard? I think lack of candor is easy hard and that's kind of like the examples in the book of like i you know got out of confrontations and had easy conversations and you know maybe gave a slightly negative performance review or whatever and then it ended up that i had to fire them and firing someone is always emotionally gutting and makes you feel terrible like you don't you know we don't hire people that we don't like and getting rid of them is one but 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 that it'll and i mean even then even even firing someone that you know is not a fit is still really hard on us and obviously even harder on them yeah so like the upfront in the hiring side uh and 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 i think we can still and and this is what i think we've started to do and and you know we're looking for an associate right now so apply um yes apply (laughs) but even the conversations we've had with candidates so far I think we've done a better job of like for us, there is a component of the work that is we want you to work Saturday morning. Now we can work with people's schedules and have them, you know, only work three and a half days a week or two and a half days a week. But part of it is going to be those Saturdays and that can be tricky depending on your lifestyle. Um, But it's not, it's not true if we go like, you know, and there's a lot of vacation time and we'll figure it out if you really need to do something on a Saturday. It's like, yeah, that that is true for maybe a couple a year. But here's the expectation. And 
we we need you there. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's better to have that conversation and have someone go, I just can't do the Saturday thing than to soft shoe, get someone in. And three months in, the only question they have is when are you going to get me off Saturdays or can I have next Saturday off? Yeah, like, exactly. So, so I think it's, it starts with the hiring. So I feel like with, you know, if we imagine this kind candor and there's kind of like a ditch on both sides of the road, this is where like on one side, you, I talked about how, you know, a lot of people are like, they're just so afraid of being mean. They're, over, they're kind. They just are so mm -hmm. kind, but, you know, also avoiding conflict, um, taking that easy, hard, or just you're so patient that like eventually they'll figure it out. Then the other side of that road is kind of this, I hate that we haven't used, we haven't figured out a different word besides masculine, because it's just so tethered to genitals and like. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just think of it as energy, not. Yeah. Hyper-masculine energy that is like, you got to tell it like it is. You got to be straightforward. Like, you know, like that, just like. Almost like the football coach, like. Calling yeah. people a girl or a wuss thinking like that's going to motivate. I always hated coaches who did that. I never responded to it. They never did that to girls. Anyway. But, um, and so it is just going like, okay, taking kind of that self-assessment of like, and you're going to teeter like in every situation where like, you know, oh my God. Okay. So I will share this story because it's absolutely relevant. So I've been figuring out how to be in the middle of the road, not in either ditch, right? Now, my default nature, just how I am, like Kirby and I have discussed in marriage therapy, that like, I tend to be in the direct side, like words don't hold as much meaning to me. So like a big part of candor is how you say something. Mm -hmm. And like when Kirby and I will be reflecting on where we went wrong in a fight, he'll be like, well, you said this and I'm like I didn't mean that and he'll be like well that's what you said and I'm like eh, you knew what I meant and he's like you called so, me a soft child I <laughs> don't know if I've ever actually said that maybe I have maybe, I don't know pick up your damn clothes off the bathroom floor okay so <laughs> um so my default is just like put it on the table like just say it and then you can like revert and shape like, well, okay, maybe that's not like, as I'm a verbal processor too. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just easier for me to like say it and then be like, well, let me backtrack a little bit. Cause that's not really the right word. And like, there's just this landmine of triggers that I've done as I'm trying to figure out. So my default is that. So then it's just to be like kind of anger fueled, just say what feels good to say and be honest. So then I go into this. So I've been, this year has been um, just difficult you know, I feel like mm. running a business is difficult every year in its own way. And like, God is definitely doing uh, things, you know, always, always working, becoming better. And so I had been withholding kind of like tempering a dragon of frustration and disappointment and anger in our numbers. This kind of entire year has just been really mediocre, just mediocre as fuck. And, but I'm like, you know what, first of all, at its truth, I trust it's not going to stay here. Like we've had this kind of like, you know, when you've been in practice for 13 years, it's like, okay, yeah, great. This year wasn't amazing. So I know that it'll bounce back. I also had trust that we were doing everything right. Like we were like, okay, we're, we're doing the right things that it will 
fall into place. I just have to kind of trust that right now, this is what's happening for whatever reason. Um, but inside, I was just so mad and angry. And I'm like, all right, well, it's not the staff's fault. They're not doing anything wrong. And so they are not the ones whose name is on the paycheck. So they don't need to be losing sleep. That's a thing that I'll tell my employees all the time. Like, you are not paid well enough to lose sleep. Like, I love that you care. But like, no, that's that's my burden as the owner to lose sleep over things. And so pretty much I made it until what was it like? four weeks ago when I lost my yeah. shit three weeks ago. So I made it till the middle of October. Um, just being like, Hey guys, it's okay that we're not hitting some goals. Like it's okay. It's going to happen. And just fucking, I jumped from one ditch into the other and lost my absolute shit. I think that gets to an interesting point because like you just, it was kind of, it was very angry and it was kind of vague. Like it was like, we need to get our shit together. Yeah. We need to yep. work harder. Like, and I think that gets to kind of an essential thing. And on the other side, we were saying when on the softer side, we were saying like, it's okay. We're doing the work. Things are going to work out. And, and then I was mad at them that they were like, cool. Okay. You yeah. said it's okay. And I'm like, I and, didn't and, mean it. And neither of those were. <laughs> candor because neither of those were true like we um, when we i mean, I mean when, it wasn't we kind. doing the the reason you were the reason you were mad is because people were really we, doing their job yeah like certain people and and just in general the the vibe and the work ethic and the dotting the i's and crossing the t's we have good systems mm -hmm. we've worked really well to build good systems and they weren't being executed. They were being vaguely executed um, in kind of a check the box way. Yeah. But when we dug in, when we took the time and like moved some people around and had someone who had the time to really dig into things, the ball was being dropped. Expectations were not being met. People weren't doing it the way that we actually expected and thought they were fully trained in. Like they were dropping the ball. So it was time for a come to Jesus moment. Um, just could have been with not more Jesus to, energy. Not, I mean, he has Jesus energy, but it was like it was, tipping the tables in the temple. I was going to say, it was maybe a little more come to the devil moment. Um, and what sucks when I show, like, this is a lesson I've had to learn is like anytime that I lose my shit like that, whether it's on a kid. So like, if you're a parent, you can mm -hmm. probably fully relate to this where you scream at them and you're like, I asked you to put your shoes on seven times like and it's that feeling where it's like okay like any parent can completely understand this feeling where you're like sometimes that's almost like what they have to see to know that you're serious and that's kind of where I had gotten and like I don't mean to throw my clinic director under the bus but I had a private conversation prior to that meeting where I was in a safe space uh, spinning anger with her being like, ah, I don't want to show this at the team. And she's the one who said, go ahead, like do it. I don't know how else to motivate them. But the point is I had to buy a damn cookie that says, oh, I'm sorry. I was a bitch at our last meeting because I felt so bad. Cause that wasn't how I wanted to be as a leader. And by the way, Walmart will not, they are not allowed to write expletives on cookies. So the woman looked at me like, you know, this is like a $16 an hour, 
employee at Walmart. And I'm like, hi, um, can you write something on this cookie? And she's like, prepared for happy birthday. And I'm like, can you write? I'm sorry, I was a bitch at our last meeting. And she just like looks up from her notepad at me. You know, just like, she's got a manager. I'm sure she's like, my manager's never bought me a cookie. And she's like, I can write B with some stars. And I was like, I'll take it. So, so. so back to the idea of, so like when we talk about how, and we've had some of these conversations post that meeting of, you know, can you talk about how better to handle it and what that looks like when, so like it's say it's an employee or two who are dropping the ball. Like how did the follow-up meetings and conversations that did involve more kind candor go? Oh, why don't we allow you to explain how they should go? Because it took, it still took a couple more meetings. <laughs> there were meetings the next day that dug my hole a little worse so why don't, why don't you, this is where we go to the Kirby teaches Lauren how she should have handled a meeting situation. Okay. So, so first and foremost, I think with, with candor, there is a, there's kind of a set and setting component to it of like, you can say the exact same words in the exact same tone, but if the wrong people are around, you're setting yourself up for disaster. So if you, you know, say we had employee B, like employee X is the one that we're going to be talking to. We could say like, hey, X, you know, maybe we didn't train you well enough, or maybe you have questions that you didn't feel like you could come to us with. Um, but what we're seeing right now is a real lack of follow through and a real lack of accountability. And it's something that I want to bring to you because it is essential for this business and it's essential for you maintaining your position that this is solved. And I, I wanna... just want to slow clap you right now because you made that seem so simple. Like put for people driving, like editor, sound editor, Jacob, put like a mark there so people can go, because I guarantee you there are going to be people like me that are like, hold up, hold up, hold up. And they're just going to be inserting their own flaws that they need to talk to their CA or their associate about and just writing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so like with that is, you know, so this is something that's important. Would you to... have said like, hi, how would you have started that meeting? Oh, I'd just be like, Hey X, like we need to, we need to talk about some stuff that deals with your job and expectations and how we can get better together. Would like you sandwich you... this? You didn't hear any sandwich in there. Well, I mean, there's there's the component of like, you can sandwich it. I usually just soften of like, hey, we've said this to multiple employees coming in. Hey, this is a meeting to fix some stuff. We got to talk about some stuff. You're not getting fired. Okay. So not like, really a sandwich, that's, but it, I do. Yes, we have had that. And then there's the, you know, depending on the person of like, obviously we love you. Our, our team is so nice. Like this, this may not be applicable to everyone of like, everyone really genuinely likes each other. Yeah. So it's like, everyone loves you. The patients love you. Like this, this isn't, you know, like this is a let's get better meeting, not a let's break up meeting. Yeah. Now break up meetings are different, but um, so that kind of softens it. But I like getting to the point of the meeting, because if there's too much preamble, too much like how was last weekend, everyone feels it. Everyone yeah. feels like the, you called me in here and you asked me to close the door. 
Like, mm-hmm. so everyone feels. But one of the things I was going to, I want to backtrack to is, so even if you deliver it perfectly, even if you have kind candor, even if there's honesty, if you did that same meeting in a team meeting and said those things, like they are going to shut down. So there is a setting piece of if there is something that needs that the team needs to work on, you can have kind candor with the team in a team meeting. If it does come down to employee X is dropping the ball, the team meeting is almost never the place because you're going to add that embarrassment and defensiveness on their end and a them versus the team thing because often the way that we learn of issues is from the other team members. So it's okay for us in a in a private meeting to say like, hey, there's some things that we've you know heard. No one's trying to throw you under the bus, but everyone is pulling in the same direction here. And we want to serve as many patients as possible, as efficiently as possible, and make sure that we're actually making money so we can keep everyone employed and make more impact. So like we have information from your teammates, but I want you to know that it's in no way malicious. Now, even if you say that in a team meeting where they can look around and be like, was it Y? Was it T? You know, like, it's just not the setting. So the setting is is important. The actual words of delivering, like tying it back to a purpose, reminding them. And if you, and if you have a good team and if you have a good business, you should be able to tie back to why we're here. Like, we're not here to, we want the employment experience and the team experience to be comfortable. But at the end of the day, this is about serving as many patients as possible and bringing as much health and impact to our community. So when things like this happen, we need to step in and fix some of these behaviors or strategies, and we're going to do it together. Like that's another part that I like of, of the idea of kind candor is you as a business owner need to own a little bit too. Like I said before, of like, we thought maybe the training wasn't good enough. Maybe you didn't feel you could come to us with questions, but in some way, shape or form, this ball got dropped. So let's talk about how we can fix it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be prescriptive. Like I know here's how I would do it. You know, I would build a tracking spreadsheet, but that's how I deal with things. So having that, once you've delivered the message, having the back and forth and being really there for it Mm -hmm. and being able to, sometimes you might have to wade through some of the bullshit, it might be like, I, I think that only happened a couple times and being honest enough to go like, if it only happened a couple times and it wasn't impacting the bottom line, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So I need you to know that we're taking this very seriously and how can we, how can we help you take charge of this? Because this is something we're going to be following up on. This is why you should be called into more meetings. I don't know why we only call you into the firings because like, okay. So if somebody's brain was maybe a little autistic, if we were pres- writing a, a prescription, a, subs- a equation, an equation here. So we're not starting with how's the weekend. We're kind of no, getting I think, like- I think you can start with some like- So it's kind of it's kind of a sandwich, but like the sandwich is bigger- than like than if people there is normally sandwich material to build with then then by all means of like just like if you can hey, say i want to tell care you about you, you yeah we care about you job. you're doing a really you're doing a really good job in most and areas these things but we need to talk about something that is important to us it's important to you 
this has repercussions and we want you to be doing your best so that we can all serve our best mission. Okay. Like, so then you, ready you to plop talk in, about? then you plop in like you're fucking up this, this, and this. And if you don't change, you're going to get fired, but better. You say it better. Like the way you say said it, it not that. me, not yep. me. Then you add kind of your ownership, which I feel is important because, mm -hmm. you know, cause he's talked about like, you know, I think if you don't have good training, like most chiropractors probably don't have adequate training. I think we have great training and I still am like, Ooh, we need to improve our training. Like, Oh yeah. Like we have and, fantastic well, and the, training and these systems. Are those... And I'm just like always looking for ways of like, ah, next time, this is what we'll do. And these are those moments that are, you know, it's the, it's the Jocko Willick thing that we talk about of like when something goes wrong. Who the hell is Jocko Willick? He's we a podcaster, former Navy SEAL. It's the guy who says good. Like huh? something went, something went wrong. Oh, good. I have heard Like you now say that. I know. Now I know where my systems are weak. Like you're, you know, losing no one. No one is responding to your ad on Facebook. Good. You found out what doesn't work on Facebook or you found out that Facebook doesn't work for you. Like you can take, it's the obstacle is the way. Like when you have these problems, you've now isolated either a personality hiring issue of like, okay, we can't hire a person like that anymore. We found out who doesn't work for this role, or we found a hole in our training that we can fix and make everyone stronger on. You're such a wise, wise little Buddha. I'm so excited that I'm married to you. Okay. So anyways, back to my point. Um, so ownership, okay. You own your systems, um, especially side note for those that are like really needing to take notes on this. Um, if you resonate as somebody who maybe needs to work on your kindness candor, there's a good chance you haven't really created an atmosphere where your employees feel safe to ask questions and things like that. So you're owning your ship and then you're moving into like, okay, so if I were struggling with this, these are some of the things that I would do, but like, what's going to help you? How can we move forward together is what can I do? Then you and move on to the that, having, having clear expectations because that's part of this mm. entire thing is if you just go like, you're not working hard enough and I feel like you need to work harder. Yeah. What do you, what do you do with that? Like if you told me that in our life of like, you're not working hard enough. And, and this happens in a lot of marriages is never ours though. Never. <laughs> you just say like, I feel like I'm all alone. I feel like I'm the only one working. Well, if I then go and bust my butt on stuff for the clinic, but what you were referring to is you needed help around the house or you needed the yard picked up. I could go waste the next week of my life working an extra 20 hours, which I don't know how I'd find 20 more hours to work. But I could do that and then you would still be disappointed and you'd still be mad and you'd still have the same feelings. Right. So like that, that candor and that clarity needs to come with, it's, it's almost like before you even have the conversations, you need to check in with yourself, kind of like what I was talking about with, with the prayer of like making sure it's, it's the truth and not just your emotions. Mm -hmm. Like if you're just going like, they're lazy, mm -hmm. it's like, is it true? And if you can find specific things, then those are the subjects that you can discuss with someone and then have clear expectations of like, you know, okay, we are, you know, like when, when I say retention, here's what I mean. It's not doing 
just step one of the five steps you were trained on. It's chasing down old patients. It's if we are having a low week, it's being creative and finding ways to get back in touch with people who maybe haven't come in in six months, but we know didn't really break up with us. It's going the extra stuff. So like, if you need training on that, we'll set that up with the clinic manager or you, you know, you and I can talk about it. You know, normally we send out regular texts for these people. It might be a special text. Let's work on drafting that together. Like you being there to help them and showing them what the actual expectation is is key. I, I think that's the, and you set up these systems and these employment, uh, all of these employees so that you don't have to do these jobs. But if you're never willing to do those jobs, if you're not willing to step in and go like, let me hold your hand through this, that's part of leadership is sometimes you have to get back in the trenches. Mm -hmm. It's not a set it and forget it. Now I'm done. Like leadership has feedback loops and sometimes you have to jump back in. Okay. So it's, Going into that was really good. Um, so going in very prepared, like so the time essence of these conversations is another thing that like I really struggle with because of my impulsivity. That it's like mm. I'm mad about this now, so I want to get it off my chest now. Um, and that's I, I think too. I think there can be impulsive kind candor, but you need to have Ooh, it. What would in that you. look like? So like if you're you're just around the clinic and someone walks in and the front desk doesn't say hi to them and they just go back and get adjusted. I think you can go like, Hey, I, you know, say, say I was in the corner yeah. and that happens and I'm just working on a computer. I notice it. They're talking to each other at the front desk and someone just walks back. It, if you're impulsive and mad, you can go like, what just happened there? Like no one walks in the front door without being addressed. That's not necessarily kind candor. It can be more like, hey, guys, I'm not here all the time. Um, so I'm I'm assuming this is an anomaly. But like the training that we did with the Ritz-Carlton book, we talked about making sure everyone feels welcomed. Everyone is greeted by name. If you remember it, I know I forget names sometimes too. But like I just saw that. Is that something that we need to re-talk about? Because that's one of the basic tenets that we talked about that we value here. And I'm sure they would go, I'm sorry, I didn't even see them. Then you can do the follow-up of like, okay, is there any way that we can fix this? Do we need to, you know, only have one person at the front desk? Uh, was it just a one-time anomaly that you guys were in a deep conversation? It needs to be more front of mind. You know, I know we're supposed to be reading our cards of our core values every before every shift, is that still happening? Or do we need to talk about this at the next CA meeting? Because mm -hmm. I know things get distracting and we focus you on different subjects, but like this is one that isn't always. Right. So, so like they shouldn't feel what attacked. Is, what's by that. the benefit of the, of sometimes bringing it up in the moment versus always waiting until a meeting? If you can correct a behavior in the moment, then it's, more salient and going to be stickier in their mind of yeah. like like training a dog yeah of yeah if you can stop the behavior then and go like hey that was that was not cool can we can we fix that and and those are where kind candor comes in because when you call out someone in the moment there's going to be a bit of embarrassment but 
if it's something, especially, and that's kind of where knowing your core values, knowing what you've trained on, being able to go like, you know, you notice how in there I said, we just trained on this. This is one of our core values. This is something you've agreed to, like, mm-hmm. and added, do we need to do a retraining on that? Or do we need to address this with everyone? Or is this just a one-off? And I trust our people. If they say, mm-hmm. oh my God, I say hi 400 times a day. I can't believe I missed that. We will make sure patient name gets a ton of love when they come back from their adjustment. Uh, I feel embarrassed that that happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, they get it. They've internalized it. They're going to do a better job. It was just a one-off thing. Or if they go like, yeah, we've, we were just head down on this and that, that does happen sometimes. Okay, that's something to talk about at the next CA meeting because that's really, really important to us. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this sounds... Um... This is why when we got to like 11 employees, I was like, no, nah, this is too many employees. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, I can't, I can't be, I don't have the vessel of kind candor to do this over and over you and over. You don't again. have to do it for everyone. You have to, so like it's a leadership skill. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that our associate doctors and and the clinic director are trained in it so that they can do this for other people and bring it to them. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Okay. So then let's talk about firing someone because that's a really, it's a really emotional time. So, okay. So we have, you know, to kind of summarize dealing with conflict with employees, you really plan for that, you know, if you're going to mm-hmm. sit down with someone, yeah, um, you are being very specific with the areas that need improvement. Um, you're taking your ownership and then you're working together. Like basically what does improvement look like? You should be able to label, you know, more detailed than just like, I need you to work harder. Oh, and making sure that you're not like projecting and like, and making sure it's true. So like, are they lazy or do you have an emotional trigger that you're the hardest working person ever and no, everybody is lazy compared to you. Like, okay, that might be one, you know, a type of thing. I don't know anyone like that. Never, never, never. So then how do we fire someone? I think firing someone starts, firing someone starts a lot earlier. Oh my God. It is hopefully that you hold up. Can we just have a side note? Do you remember, um, what was Trump's, show the apprentice yeah that you guy fired. that guy was our president <laughs> there, are, there are people who have no idea who are too young that they didn't watch that show oh yeah that they didn't Is know that? like the whole before thing i would That's love wild. to go back and watch that show because that man was insane out there there's some funny clips there's yes there's some wild ones of like him just saying outlandish things and like Asking one of the contestants if he's gay and then being like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's be- I have a lot of gay friends are beautiful people. It's just like, <laughs> dude, why'd you say that then? Oh my God. Yeah, that was what we used to watch when we were, I don't know, what would we have been then? Like 13, 14? Because we didn't yeah, have any other like options. High school. We didn't have any other options. That's Network what... television, that's mm-hmm. it. All right. And then, and then that same generation went and elected them. Okay. All right. Anyways, we're firing people. Okay. So like I was saying, I think if, if you're, if you're using kind candor throughout, this should come as no surprise because you 
probably had multiple conversations about mm-hmm. expectations. And it, for a lot of the times that we've let people go or people who have ended up quitting, it is usually mutual because there's already been conversations about how we work, how we operate, what are the expectations, how people interact with each other. And there've already been multiple conversations about what's going on and what needs to change. Yes. We should preface that we've fired two, I think just two. Uh, Three. I can't think. Oh, of yeah. Yeah. I guess you're saying of like us saying like we've no, this only is fired not two, to yeah. but we've gotten like seven to quit. So that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> you can buy me a drink first. But ultimately, it comes down to this, the same thing of like if you've been clear of your expectations, mm-hmm. if you've been talking about how things are going, then the firing is you know like hey, I'm sorry. This is this is a difficult conversation to have but we're no longer going to be employing you. Like today is, is your last day. I want to thank you for the effort that you've, you've tried, but we've had a lot of these conversations and it's just not working and it's not fair to us or you to keep this going. Um, you know, we obviously hired you for a reason. You have skills, but for some reason or, or not, we, we didn't make the match or it's just not the right fit for you. And the sooner we get this stopped, you can get on to the next adventure and find the right people in the right setting. Um, but for us, it's, it's no longer here. Mm-hmm. And, and then, like you said, you can, it can be that air quote simple because you should have been having some conversations with them up until that point. If you have been like quietly stewing that they suck and just venting to your spouse and other, you know, then they might, then you might feel like you have to elaborate more because if you have to elaborate more, you haven't communicated likely effectively with them. And they might go like, I thought I was, I was doing better. And you can even acknowledge and say like, there, there was, there was a hypothetical person is breaking my heart. They thought they were doing better. Is it that they're, you know, we did see the effort you were putting in. There was some improvement, but it's not happening to the degree and at the rate that we need. And, and I just don't see it working out. Like it's better to have the truth. Like there's a, there's a Jordan Peterson thing where he talks about um, tell the truth in your relationships. It is better to have the fight now and know and work through an issue than it is to carry resentment for 30 years. Like in marriages, it's different because that this is the person like you mm-hmm. don't want to be quietly stewing and hating them your entire life in work. You know, it's not a lifelong commitment, but it's that thing of it's better to have the conversation now than watch someone fuck up for six months while you go like, God, I want to fire him, but I need this employee right now. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're better off having the hard conversation kindly. And if that, if they can't do it, it's better to know now, get them out of there and get someone who can. Right. Yeah, I guess. It's, I mean, it's not an easy, when you're talking about developing candor in leadership, it's it's obviously going to be most often used in very difficult situations. Like mm-hmm. it's easy to be candid, kindly candid 
with nice things. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's where it becomes a strength or a superpower is when you have to really show restraint and um, put thought, thought and effort into it. And some of us just have to put a little more thought and effort than others. Yeah. And I think there's things you can look for in yourself to know when it's probably called for. So if you are, if you're feeling resentful towards like your employees, like if you're just, you have that stewing feeling in you, mm -hmm. there's probably a conversation that needs to be had. And it's not, why do you keep fucking up? It's, it causes you to go do the work that we talked about. So you can go like, I'm just so mad. I'm just so mad at Sarah. Sarah's an actual employee who we're rarely mad at. So that's why I'm <laughs> just like, I'm so sick of Sarah. She's the nicest person in the world. If you are all of a sudden just so mad at Sarah, it's not likely that it's just Sarah has turned into a jerk and you need to go, okay, where are these feelings coming from? It's the pre-work I was talking about. Like, what is the actual behavior? Is my expectation of that behavior reasonable going back to kind of like are your expectations reasonable or is it just that you expect everyone to freak out when numbers are low and work as hard as you do what can i steer her towards or what can i train her on is there actually something to improve or are you just mad at a result not a behavior so if you know sarah's busting her ass and she is calling all the people and she's doing a great job at the front desk and for some reason the advertising isn't working to get more people in the door then you're not mad at sarah you're mad at me for putting up shitty ads or you're mad at go to yourself you. <laughs> for not recognizing <laughs> yelling changing. at the wrong person. Yeah. So like it, it's good to, when you have those resentful, resentful feelings, it's good to go through the work of, are they actually doing the best they can? Do we need different systems? Do we need different people? Is it just a market force? How can we pivot as an organization? Cause then the power gets back into you just feeling bad and mad at people doesn't solve anything. It doesn't make you feel better. It doesn't mm -hmm. make them feel better and it doesn't solve the problem. Okay. Last question that I have is um, around the idea of like being careful of the landmines of emotional triggers when you're communicating. Um, is that, is that air quotes simply uh making sure to avoid shame or is it more than that? I mean, give, give me an example. What are you talking about people's like personal traumas? Well, when you read about like how to use kind candor in, in the workplace setting, one of the things that is like suggested is being mindful of emotional triggers. And I don't, I'm asking you, like, I don't know, what does that mean? Like, what do they mean by that? Like, don't be, don't, that's all I can imagine is like just avoiding shaming people. Yeah. And and so we've, we've talked about, I'm sure at some point in the podcast, but we've talked about personally of like the shame, shame is I'm a bad person. Guilt is I did a bad thing. Um, and ideally, you know, if, if someone's messing up, there's a chance they're going to feel some guilt. But in the stuff that we talked about of, you know, this is this is the outcomes we expect, reminding them of the mission that you're all on, how their behavior is hurting or not living up to the expectations and therefore hurting us from 
fulfilling the mission, but then also saying, here are my expectations and here's how we can help get you there. That in itself avoids shame because you're being specific enough where it is not you're a fuck up, it's you fucked up. And here's how we can get back to better. Mm-hmm. And here, is, and I'm going to be there with you. So there's not the, there's not the shame. There's, you know, going to be a little bit of embarrassment, but the antidote to embarrassment is often talking about it and knowing you're not alone. Yeah. So you're providing the comfort for those landmines. And that's why kind candor in itself, when executed properly, is, is diffusing the landmines. And and being the space of, and there might be questions or there might be defensiveness that if it's hurled back at you of like, I'm just doing my best. Uh, you know, that that's a defensive reaction. Um, and you don't go like, well, no, you're not. Not good you enough. Know? Can I say that? I think no, I, I think you no. would say if, if this is if if what you're doing is truly your best then I think we either had a miscommunication on on our training or what the expectations were. And if you truly don't feel that you have time to do any better, then we need to work on the systems, procedures, and training so that you get faster at doing the things that you are doing well so that you have time to get this up to standard because this is something that can't can't just be and we can't afford to we can't afford to hire another person. Um and if it truly, truly is like, you know, go with God, like, I, I absolutely do not want to fire you. But if, if we can't work through this, this is, this is a bigger issue. And I absolutely do not want to let you go. You're a valuable part of this team. Yeah. So if it's, this is as good as I get, then it's like, okay, well, then we need to train because like, I can do my absolute best at basketball. And if it's not very good, then it's like, well, then, then, you need to train. then train. Um Okay, there was this moment where you had your hand like this and it looked like somebody else's hand because of the green screen. It was really funny. Um, that's why I chuckled when you see we're saying something very serious. <laughs> um, okay, well, I feel like we accomplished this. Do you have anything else to add? No, I mean, I, I would recommend people go read the book 12 and a half. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. Um, and yeah, on, in general, I think it's just it always comes back to being generally kind, being empathetic and having your, your overarching like mission and vision of your business in mind. Because if you have that pretty clear and you've communicated it, it is the roadmap to all these conversations. If everyone agrees on what they're there for and how they're going to execute things, then you have this the of the scaffolding to climb for these conversations. Mm-hmm. If you don't have those things, then you have nothing mutually agreed upon. And then why wouldn't a person do a certain thing in a certain way? You never told them how to do it or why they're doing it. Right. Yeah. So if you are listening to this episode and some of the things that may have come up of like, I don't have the time to be holding hands. I don't have training systems in place. Um, I, you know, don't have these leadership skills, then I will remind you that this is a shameless plug uh, to get on the wait list for the multi-passionate chiropreneur. If you are listening before December 7th, you can get on the wait list. If you are listening 
as of December 11th, I believe it is, December 11th or later, then um, we are probably launching. Uh, so you can actually go to the sales page, to plan a discovery call with me, we'll get on the phone for free and talk about where you're kind of at in your career, what you're struggling with, and whether or not I think the program can help you. Yeah. And um, in the program, you get a lot of this, but with specific conversations. So Lauren and I are both on many of the calls. I'm not always there because you guys talk about just pure Cairo stuff sometimes. But you no are on as, a lot. As previously mentioned, no one wants to listen to me talk about chiropractic. No. <laughs> so there's that. And then, yeah, that's that's my plug. So we'll have that link below. And um guess that's it. So until next week, She Slayers. Bye. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. <laughs>